share with you a message. This is uh, part two of last week. We talked about the ark in the Old Testament. And so this is moving day, believe it or not, moving day, part two. I'm going to open up by reading in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16, and then we're going to pray and get into it today. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says this, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and God's spirit lives in you? Let's pray. Father, we love you and honor you this morning and thank you for the opportunity to come and to lift up our songs and to sing to you and to worship you and God to honor who you are. You're a great God, a mighty God. And we proclaim that we love you in this place. We thank you for the good things that you're doing. And we pray right now as we hear from your word, let our hearts be open, God, to receive what you have for us today. We trust you. We trust your intent today. And we trust your ability to speak to every one of us. I pray for the leading and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, God. Father, to share what's in your heart today. Let it be imparted. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, we talked about moving day, and we were talking about the ark, which is an Old Testament thing. The ark of of the covenant was a box, and it was gold, and it had poles on it, and uh, it was in Moses' tent, his tabernacle, and uh, it was something that, it was the place on earth where God's manifest presence was the greatest, and um, it was very ornate and beautiful and We studied how David, King David in the Old Testament, when he became king, he wanted to bring that Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. And so he prepared a tent for it and brought the Ark of the Covenant in there. And he was going to worship and write songs and the priests were going to worship God there. And last week we talked about how um, he, he tried it the first time. And after the first time he did it, Um, Somebody died along the way because they didn't do it the appropriate way. And we talked about how after the second time, they got it right. They carried it the appropriate way and did everything right. And it came in to this tent that he had prepared. David then recognized in his own heart, he said, you know what? I'm living in this beautiful home and the tent, uh, God's ark, if you will, is in this tent. He deserves something greater than a tent. And so At first, he said, I'm going to build a temple. I'm going to build this great thing. And uh, Nathan, the prophet, looked at him and said, go do what's in your heart to do. And then immediately the word of the Lord came to Nathan and said, listen, he's not supposed to build the ark. This is the Lord talking to Nathan, who he would then pass this on to King David. He says, you're not supposed to build an ark. His son is going to build an ark. And we find out in Chronicles that uh, because David had shed so much blood and was a man of war, the Lord decided, listen, you can provide the materials and you can store up great things to build this, but I'm actually going to have your son, his name was Solomon, I'm going to have him build this temple. Now, this temple that Solomon would end up building um, was an unbelievable structure. And considering it was centuries ago, it's really like, an amazing thing that they were able to do. It took seven years to build this temple. It took 30,000 laborers just to go and get the wood that was necessary. 10,000 men would go to Lebanon and they would work for a couple of months and then they would come or they would work for a month, come home and take two months off. And then another 10,000, there were 30,000 men in this rotation. Made me think of like 
firemen. We have Robbie Hageman, who's a fireman for Richmond. I think he works five days on and five days off or something like that. Anyhow, um, it reminded me of that kind of thing. They had 70,000 people that their job was carrying stuff. They had 80,000 people who what they did is they were the stone cutters. Um, and they would do everything off-site from the temple. They would cut and prepare everything. And then when it was ready, they would bring it to Jerusalem and put it in that temple spot. And uh, it says that they never used a chisel or an iron tool on the site. Can you imagine if you got it there, like all of this material, and it didn't fit? Be like, carry it back. Carry it back. And they would, you know, just to make that, that, um, that site, if you will, wholesome and holy and quiet and that kind of thing, I'm thinking, man... I can't put a picture up on the wall without making a racket at my house. But anyhow, so there were 3,300 foremen, 180,000 laborers and all. Can you imagine as a nation like what a big deal this probably was? See, they had spent so much time in the wilderness, uh, and then they came into the land of Canaan and had judges, and now they're just on their second time ever having a king and King David. And now they were going to build a permanent temple, if you will, and it was going to be amazing. And a picture of it that we have for you, the inside, you can see the amount of gold that was in this thing. It was so ornate, like everything just got laden with gold. Somebody did a, a more modern estimation of like what it would cost to build this. And they said it, today's, in today's um, standards, the gold alone would be worth $77 billion. That's a nice church right there. That's a nice church. We should probably just pave the parking lot. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm playing. I'm playing. Eleven billion dollars is the estimate of the of the silver. So they said the overall thing would probably cost a hundred billion dollars today to build. Isn't that amazing? And so in, when you think of the ark, the ark started with Moses in the tent, and then David brought it into a more permanent place in Jerusalem in the tent of David that he prepared. And now it's going into this more what was thought of as permanent temple in Jerusalem. And as a nation, it meant a lot to them because it, because it represented their worship to the Lord. So this was moving day number two, if you will. We, last week we talked a lot about how they moved it to the tent. And if you missed it, you can check out the, the podcast to get the part one. But I want to read to you out of 1 Kings 8, 6. When they bring this Ark of the Covenant in, it says, The priest then brought the Ark of the Lord's Covenant to its place in the inner sanctuary of the temple, the most holy place, and put it beneath the wings of the cherubim. They had these massive gold cherubim-like angelic-type uh, creatures, if you will, angelic-type, not angels, but uh, they were... In, these gold massive things in there and they put the ark of the covenant under it verse 10 says when the priest withdrew from the holy place it says the cloud filled the temple of the lord and the priest could not perform their service because the cloud of glory of the lord filled his temple the way that the new american standard version says it is that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud or the, the presence there. It was like when they got it in there, there's this manifestation, if you will, of God's presence. This cloud comes in and the priest can't even stand up to do 
their duties. Can you imagine like what that must have been like? They probably were thinking, what we have done here is a really good thing. Like they must have just been like, like, like you know, like catch your, th- your, your breath in your throat and just that kind of thing. And I know, you know, it, there's been times in worship here and in plenty of places where, and I'm sure all of us have experienced it, where there's like that awe of God. You know what I'm talking about? Let me, let, me, let me break it down a little bit to you. You know, there are times when we're worshiping God and we get that sense of how close and how, how much he loves us and how he uses uh, phrases like father and, and that kind of thing to, to show how much he cares for us as children. But then there's, there's times when you're with the Lord and you recognize how amazingly powerful and glorious he is. It says that he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's so magnificent. And there's these times when you, when you capture in your heart and your mind at the awe of how amazing he is. And it makes you just kind of want to just not do too much. Because you're just, you're in awe. Like the whole, the, I think the, the reason we use the word awe is because you go awe. And you just like stop. Like so amazing. I know in my heart when I experience that, a lot of times I just want to get on my knees. Sometimes I want to lay in the floor and just like, I'm just like, you're so amazing, God. You're so awesome. And they're having this experience of how amazing and great God is in the midst of this ornate temple that they have built. The funny thing is, is even though this temple was so ornate, so expensive, so luxurious, if you will, Solomon himself said, the heavens cannot contain your glory, let alone this temple on earth. Now, you know, sometimes we look at these kind of things and we go, we can go, that's really amazing that they build this, but did they really need a temple? And it seems a bit luxurious. It definitely is over the top. It would have been like on Robin Leach's Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, like, now look at this, you know. Like, it, it's so over the top. And one of the things that I look at in Scripture is that it was the Lord who said, I want Solomon to do this. Like, it was good. And it's this paradox of truth. And when I say paradox, what I mean is two things that seem contradictory, but they're really not. God is worthy of all of that, and yet he doesn't need any of it. Does that make sense to you? Like you can't outdo the luxury and amazing side and the awe of how amazing God is. And yet he will come to earth as a person and come as Jesus and put on humanity and live in a, in a situation that's not luxurious at all, that is very, uh, you know, salt of the earth kind of thing. It's like this both and, not an either or. Does that make sense to you? And so Solomon himself realized that, like, you can't, you can't worship that building. You can't worship the gold. But can you imagine how much it inspired people about their God? Does that make sense to you? And that's what he allowed it to be. He allowed it to be an inspiration that he said God is worthy of all of this. Another way of thinking about it is, you know why they built that temple? Because they could. Does that make sense? They built it 
because they could. And they said, you know, we need to put that, put him somewhere. We need to put the, this ark somewhere. And what David was saying is, I live in a nice house. He's like, and I've got the ark of the covenant, which represents the greatest, closest place you can be to the manifest presence of God on earth. And I've got him in a tent. It'd be like us in our house. You know, it'd be like we're here and you know, your prayer corner is in a Coleman tent out back. And he's like, something wrong here. So they built it because they, they could. And it brought this inspiration of how great God is and to worship God. And yet you always have to be careful. You never worship the stuff. You always worship God. Because the stuff can become a stumbling block. The other thing that it did for the people is it established or inspired like a confidence inside of them. Like they started off wandering as a people with Moses around the wilderness and they would literally pack up their tents and move and wander until it was time to go into the promised land. They spent a season of life after slavery wandering and they they have a, a season where they're in Israel and the judges period where they're being conquered and then repenting and God giving them victory and they're going through all these ups and downs. David brought them to a place where he finally brought them to a place of peace where they had peace from their enemies and they were established as a nation and it was time to build. It actually says the reason why Solomon got to build it was because Solomon entered into a season where there was peace around him. And so he built it in that season and it gave them such a confidence as a people. But yet their faith was not in the temple. Their faith was just inspired by it. So maybe we should build a $77 billion temple. <laughs> Sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? But we don't need to. And here's the thing that I wish I could do it justice when I share this. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? What if one of the reasons why God said, yeah, Solomon, go for it. Yeah, use a lot of gold. Yeah, use a lot of silver. Yeah, make it really, really magnificent, over-the-top. Granite countertops, do it. Marble, do it. I'm kidding. They didn't really. But, you know, like, it was just so over-the-top. And yet you get into Corinthians, and this is a New Testament scripture. And can you imagine what it meant to them? Because they had a temple in Jerusalem. When they heard, don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? I feel like I can't do it justice. Sometimes when you say something, you just feel like the words aren't enough. Do you know that, that like your value to him is more than that temple? It really is. You're more valuable to him than that. Maybe if that doesn't register to you, if somebody came to you and said, what can I give you for your kids? I'm going to write you a check right now. You're never going to see them again. What would you say? You Don't say it because you, you can't cuss in church. You can't cuss in church. Well, I'm kidding. A lot of you do. Um, <laughs> and I like you keeping it real. Um, 
I'm not encouraging you. I'm just saying I like you keeping it real. I love it when people cuss and they think I'm going to melt or something. Um, oh, no. Um, but you are so valuable to him, so precious to him. And the idea that his Holy Spirit, that you see, when you commit your life to Jesus and when you say, Jesus, I want to follow you, the scripture says that you become a new creation. It says that you become born again and that there is this new life that starts. And when you've had that experience, when you've made that agreement with the Lord where you say, Lord, I'm laying down my life and I want to follow after you, the sky looks different. You feel different. You, I'm not saying that you never have issues or trials or anything, but you just know life is all of a sudden different. You feel different, and it's because the Holy Spirit brings a new life to you that you didn't have before. It's like you have a faculty that you did not know before, and that faculty is the Holy Spirit in your life. I don't know about you, but I don't give enough credit to the fact that God is with me and that his Holy Spirit is with me. And that, that when I go here and there and everywhere, that God's Holy Spirit is with me. I, I don't give it enough credit. I also don't lean on it enough. I don't lean on him enough and recognize that I'm never alone, that I'm never forsaken, that I'm never without him, him but that the Holy Spirit is in me. You see, when it, in that time and in that season, they would go to the place of, that, of the temple, if you will, to worship God and to be inspired and to honor him. And they would feel closer to him when they were there. Does that make sense? And yet their, their theology and their doctrine, they knew that they could pray to God anywhere. They didn't have to go to a temple to, to worship and pray. They got to go to a temple to worship and pray, right? So it didn't take away from God's locus of, of, of being or where he could be. He is, he's omnipresent. You know, he's, he is everywhere. It was that experience of the manifest presence. And they were like, we want to just be as close to him as we can be. We want to be in that place and honor and worship him and just be inspired take it home with us but by golly we really do get to take him home with us what what an amazing thing we've been talking about moving day joking around kind of if you will you know moving into the tent like david moved the lord into the tent or the, the presence of the lord like you could confine god right and now they've moved the ark of the covenant into this ornate, beautiful temple. The place he wants to move the most is in you. That's the place that he wants to be. You know, it's not where he wants to be, it's who he wants to be with. Aren't you, does it overwhelm you that God desires to be with us? And I know in my heart, the response in my heart is it makes me want to be with him. I told Elizabeth we spent a lot of car time over the last couple of days. And, um, I love the five love languages um, by Gary Chapman, and we've done a lot of that in marriage uh, teachings and things like that. And Elizabeth, we, we figured this out decades ago when we were getting married and when we were just staring off into each other's eyes that she is a quality time person. And I am not. And so, you know, I, when I w- love my wife, I, I do quality time. And, and I recognize that, like, she can do it all the time. 
All, that's how quality time person. Let's be together all the time. You don't need to go. Let's be here together all the time. And he'd be like, really? <laughs> I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. I told her yesterday in the car, we were driving. We, we did a lot of miles over the last couple of days, going down to Clarksville, Raleigh, Winston-Salem, and back over the last couple of days. And um, I looked at her on the way home, and I said, you know what? I think I'm becoming more of a quality time person. Because I just liked being with her. And I think, if you will, God wants to make us into quality time people. I think his desire to be with us is far greater than our desire to, or our ability to reciprocate that could ever be. And what I appreciate about God and his nature is he's not walking around with missed expectations going, huh, just spend time with me. You know, like, he's not walking around whining. He's, he's desires to be with us. Desires us. I, which I think is just like, we know ourselves. We're like, we're a little overrated, right? And yet he loves us so much. And wants to be around us and be with us. And because it is a relationship, there's something in him that says, now, do you want to be with me? I love Deuteronomy and Hebrews where it says, never will I leave you or forsake you. I love in Proverbs where it says, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You know, when we superimpose these principles from Old Testament and New Testament and, and, and where we are in our life and faith, you know, we come together in a building like this, um, and we all are very on the same page that the building isn't the meaningful thing. It's us who is the really meaningful thing. And we take excellent care and, tr- and do good things with it and things like that because we want it to represent a place that represents who we are. But at the end of the day, it's us coming together. And when we come together, there's this inspiration of us being with one another and saying that we love God together and worship together. And there's, there's something appropriate about that, that God has been gathering congregations, is what he's called it. He's been gathering people to worship for a long, long, long time. And yet there's this other part of the truth, which is that when we all leave and when we all go, what's great is, He's with us. And the thing that's on my heart is, I think there's some people here today that you have been battling loneliness. Funny thing about loneliness is you can have people all around you and be lonely. But I, I just, I hope that you'll hear this this morning. If you are battling, battling loneliness, you feel lonely, but you are not alone. You can feel utterly on your own, but it's not the fact of the matter. Now, yes, it absolutely takes faith because you can't see him, but do you believe him? Do you believe that he'll never leave you nor forsake you? Do you believe that he is the friend that sticks closer than a brother? Do you believe that about him? And in those moments when you feel lonely, It's not any more complicated than this. God, I believe you're here. I believe that you love me. 
I believe that you care. That, that um, third song that we sang today, Be Still and Know. Sometimes it, it doesn't take the noise. It just takes the quiet and saying, I know and I believe. I, I want to encourage you in your life to create patterns of places where you can meet with God outside of, the, of this building. Uh, for me, one of my places is my front porch. I'll just, you know, I'll walk out my front porch and I'll just sit down on my chair and just have a conversation with the Lord because there's a better chance I won't be interrupted with six people in my house there. I wish it was the case. I hear the squeak of the door every time. But they can always tell by my body language. They'll look at me and they'll go, <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Or I'll just be praying. But I want to encourage you to create places where you can be with him. Because you see, as the scripture says, don't you see, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Anywhere, at any place, at any time, you can minister to the Lord and worship the Lord and honor the Lord and speak to the Lord. And I bet a lot of us in this room, we probably need more be still moments. And just let the noise come down and be with him. Another great way to do that is you open up your Bible, read some scripture, talk to the Lord about the scripture. Just talk to him like he's like right next to you because he is right there. Or put on a, a worship song that says the thing that you want to say to the Lord. And then you say it to the Lord with that song or in that song. But cultivating those places of his presence and knowing that you can just anytime at any place. This morning, I really just wanted to share something really simple with you. This moving day, they moved the, the Ark of the Covenant into this amazing, amazing temple that was built and so ornate. Don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? You're so valuable to him, so precious to him. And I hope that it doesn't condemn you into time with him. It inspires you to want to be with him because he wanted to be with you first. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And I'd like to just really simply sing that part of the song, that opening of that song, Be Still. And... I want to ask you to do something for me this morning. Would you, as we're singing this song, just take a moment, and I don't mean this in a weird way, but just act like no one else is in the room. Because worship comes easier in places like this when we're all together and worshiping. But I, I think the Lord really wants you to take him with you and then know that he's with you. And know that at any place, at any time, you can worship him and honor him and that kind of thing. And maybe, you know, we're singing the song, you want to sit down or anything like that. But just take a moment and just act like all the other folks aren't in the room. And just take a moment and be, be still and be with him. Amen.